as a people, parent, friend, neighbor, whatever, I think that we should hold more accountable for what that blackness is, the standards that we that we want for ourselves, and what we accept and what we won't accept. I think that the default blackness that is given and sold to everyone is misguided, and I think that even as a parent, you almost may feel bad to even tell your kids the way the things are, you know? And so if you have a parent that feels like I shouldn't speak up or say anything like that because it's going against what society's kind of saying, then you leave it to the default description. And that description is messed up. And I think that's why we have a lot of the silliness we have going on now being considered like to be black or blackness and stuff. It's, it's so misguided and messed up. And I think that we can expect for others to instill, guide, and give morals to our people, our children, or whatever, our society, because their vision of us is skewed. And if we don't say anything, that's the same as pushing what's being given. So, yeah. I think that sometimes we're guilty of giving away our blackness in that in that sense of selling it. And I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about well, you know, commercializing right, it right, more or less right, in that right. sense, you know, just to gain, you know, like a profit from it. And then once it's commercialized, we lose control of it. I forgot Yara's last name, who was on Blackish. I've always liked this young lady. She's highly yeah. intelligent, yeah. comes from, you know, a very diverse family and all that, but always been very keenly aware of who she is. And she, right. she made a comment, you know, recently about everything Black is mainstream now. Like, how do you identify your blackness if it's just everything is just mainstream? Like everything about you is like everybody's doing it now. Where did your culture go? And this is the culture that was made up. This culture, this African-American culture is made up from slavery in that sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't have that deep, deep background that other folks have. So the culture that's made up has now become you know, more mainstream, like everybody can go, you know, get a BBL and, you know, bigger lips and use the vernacular and, and use the N-word in songs and talking to people. And, you yeah. know, it's just, it's, it's, I, I'll tell you an incident I had um, recently, I was doing a training and after I did the training, this woman walked up and she was telling me about her, you know, her teenage kids she was having some difficulties with. And she was white and she said that she was trying to like get a handle on her kids. And she was like, oh, you know, my son used the, she said, she didn't say he used the N word. She said, my son said, Igor, and I don't use the word, mm -hmm. but she said that to me, mm -hmm. like it was okay. And I just looked at her like, I can't even, I'm all about teachable moments. But in that moment, I was like, so you just assume that it was okay because your son uses that word with his friends and he says it to you, that you could say that to a real live black person that's standing right in front of your face. That's not okay. You know, and I don't I don't feel comfortable with that. But that's because of how society is now. You know, they're hearing it in music a lot, you know, and in in movies, but mainly in music. And that there used to be a time when people would say, you know, maybe even look at people's age and say, well, maybe this demographic as far as age wise would not be comfortable with that word. And right. these folks are. But now it's so mainstream that this woman who wasn't that much younger than me just said, you know, said the word. Yeah. And asked me for help and how to, you know, stop him from saying it. But you just said it to me, <laughs> you know, like. But she might have thought of it like being a song. It's in context of the story that she's telling or the song that's being sung or laughing at the, the use of it in, in a movie. 
I don't know. I, I think regardless of how mainstream our culture is, it's for us who culture it is to still respect and take care of it. Because, like, you know, a lot of stuff is borrowed, copied, and stolen, and it's out of context. And so, to me, I wouldn't consider it necessarily our culture, because our culture is not being fake. Mm. You know? Mm. So, I would never really give any power or any attention to what other people are trying to do when I know it's not my mama's cooking. They can do whatever they want to. They'll just be over there doing it. So to, to me, it's kind of just because something is being used and taken advantage of, it doesn't change what my home cooking is. Mm-hmm. And so I will still respect my recipes. I will still teach it to to ones coming behind me who's, who wants to know that recipe and know where it comes from. I wouldn't expect so I'm not surprised for others not to understand certain kind of things and understand the context or the importance of it. Because if they did, they wouldn't be doing it, you know? Well, I mean, but that. there's a difference between, and it's, it's you know, a Pollyannic way of thinking of, of wanting it to be a certain way. Yeah. But there's a difference between, you know, appropriation and appreciation. And I think that at some point, there was always a segment, you know, of, of folks that just went ahead and, and appropriated it and we called them out for it. But now, as she mentioned, it's so mainstream that it's like, you know, they would even argue with us on it. Like, well, you know, you're, you know, this is America. Everything's kind of up for grabs. We're like, well, you do, you know, you've straightened your hair for years. You know, that's, that's not black. And it would be like the boldness sounds is, is argumentative as far as like what black culture is. And as I said, as we see it being taken away from us, the, you know, not even, I say taken away, but being introduced and then snatched away for the other generations, the newer generations, the younger generations to understand what American history is, not black history, American right. history. I think about those kids that are not gonna learn that that come from a household like you and I, who we don't wait for the schools to teach our kids about our history. We do that in the home. But then our kids are going to be up against these kids that's going to tell them that it's a lie. That's not true. That's not history. That's not true. So it's an ongoing fight. of, And it's always been that way. It's not new. And I think that, you know, regardless of like the kids saying it's not true, we've been had teachers saying it wasn't true and it was supposed to be quote unquote history. So it's always been a push against the truth anyway, to the point where the lie had to be put in the book so the book could be taught and then nobody would think to even offset it until they came home and said something crazy to their parents. Christopher Columbus discovered America and being like, who told you that? Right, right. So, Mm -hmm. like I said, I think it's on us. And I think it's just more of us got to be aware of the fact that it really is on us and we can't take it for granted that our sense of self, our pride, and who we are as a people, and not just the outside stuff, but us as a people, that, that's going to have to be something that has to be passed, you know, person to person. Right. It, it won't be something that's taught, you know, like the revolution will not be televised. Same, mm-hmm. same thing. It won't be announced. You won't hear it on the radio. You won't see it on TV, you know, but the revolution is happening, but it has to be person to person and, and it has to be an insight that everybody kind of just kind of come to. And, you know, everything comes to an end eventually. Everything, everybody gets tired of stuff. Everything kind of just stops, right? You know, stuff that you thought would be never end. And that ride is over. That song is not, doesn't make you tap your feet anymore. That joke isn't funny anymore. 
you know that way of thinking is not acceptable anymore mm -hmm. and so well, i think it's just a timing thing i mean we've seen that happen so it's true we've seen it occur where it's just like you know it's eps and flows and it's just like yeah. okay no one's doing that trend anymore you know right, right. and the trend you know could be culture it could yeah. be a cultural thing like oh that's you know we're gonna leave that alone and move on to something else so we know that eventually like you said it's going to end um it's just interesting to just kind of watch how how things are kind of sliding back to you know the past and we're fighting you know for it to remain present yeah. but i mean you know um and, and i was mainly talking about us as a people i'm talking about us and just accepting or fall into the narratives that we didn't agree to right you know like we watch something, see a movie of it. It's not our truth. We see mm -hmm. it enough times, hear enough times. We start feeling, having the emotions of something that we never went through. Like when Minister Society came out, or Boys in the Hood, middle class and well-to-do kids thought they had to mm -hmm. carry weapons with them. They had mm -hmm. to talk a certain kind of way. So mm -hmm. sometimes we accept the ride and sometimes it's hard to, to stand strong one in your truth enough to not to slip into somebody else's truth. Mm -hmm. that, that's the thing if you're fortified great sense of self it's not as easy for you to fall because you already know what you are you know how right. you're built but if that's always kind of in question always being poked at never really have a foundation set you wear whatever jacket is is hanging there versus mm -hmm. being like hey that's not my color hey mm -hmm. that's not my size you know i know what my measurements are I know what my color is. That fits my skin tone. That jacket is not me. Right. But if we have a lot of, I don't know my size, I don't know my color, and you letting the colorblind, tasteless suit maker to make that jacket for you, and he's the one that's making it, and you're going to leave it up to him? Mm -hmm. You ain't no telling what you're going to get. And whatever you get, I can guarantee it don't fit and look right on you. Right. 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 I mean, it, it, it all falls down to what we've often talked about. It starts at home. I mean, it does. If if there's an opportunity, because yeah. not, not everybody has the opportunity right, right. to give those lessons to their kids, you know, and some of those lessons that they need to give might not be the greatest lessons. You know what I mean? They might not have necessarily been able to evolve into something different. So it's tricky. Yeah. And it, it's small, it's, it starts in different levels. Because depending on your relationship, your time, and all that other kind of stuff, it could be like you're sharing a book, you're yeah. sharing a story, you're sharing a movie, you're sharing a documentary, you're sharing a TikTok, you're sharing an Instagram where somebody had a conversation that said some truth to power. Even sharing that kind of stuff is a start. It got, it got to be, it got to be something, you know. Like you know, for me, it was hip hop with like Karis One when he kind of just talked about where everything kind of came from. Why is it young black kids taught black? They're only taught how to read, write, and act. It's like teaching a dog to be a cat. You don't teach white kids to be black. Why is that? Is it because we're the minority? Well, black kids follow me. Genesis chapter 11, verse 10 explains the genealogy of Shem. Shem was a black man in Africa. If you repeat this fact, they can't laugh at you. Genesis 14, verse 13. Abraham steps on the scene. Being a descendant of Shem, which is a fact, means Abraham too was black. Abraham born in the city of a black man, called Nimrod, grandson of Ham. Ham had four sons. One was named Canaan. Here, listen.
Let me do some explaining. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons for real, and these were the children of Israel. According to Genesis chapter 10, Egyptians descended from Ham. 600 years later, my brother read up. Moses was born in Egypt. In this era, black Egyptians weren't right. They enslaved black Israelites. Moses had to be of the black race because he spent 40 years in Pharaoh's place. He passed as the Pharaoh's grandson. So he had to look just like them. Yes, my brothers and sisters, take this here song. Yo, correct the wrong. The information we get today is just whack. But ask yourself, why is that? And so, like, I heard that, but it changed my life. And that was from a KRS One rap song. Right. So, you know, the spark could be anything. It could be a, a bonfire. It could be a match. You know, it could be any kind of thing. You just don't know. It could be anything. But I just think that, you know, even if you don't have all the time, it doesn't hurt to at least share little things and little insights. Or if you hear something that just don't sound right or wrong, like, hey, let's dig into this. Let's, right. You know, the truth is, this is that. And not waiting for it to be February and not waiting for it to be, you know, the quote unquote, all right stuff to talk about this month to share with the kids. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, bastardized in a way or almost pulled of anything that really, you know, it's like, okay, we did the light post. What else did we do? You know, right. we, the surgery stuff. What else did we do? Like, it should be chapters. It shouldn't be the same book. It shouldn't right. be the same thing. It shouldn't just be, you know, as great as Martin Luther King was. It's more than, you know, Martin Luther King. And then even that, they won't even say his whole speech. And mm -hmm. they won't even say who took him out and why. Mm -hmm. You know? And they still trying to work their way to Malcolm. So they trying to make sure they take all the fight out of that before they started sharing that piece of meat. And yesterday was Malcolm X Day. You know? That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. So so it's it's interesting. And it's funny and that's why I like talking to you because we get into these these tangents. But kind of going back to the movie and also speaking on that whole like, you know, what is blackness kind of thing, I thought it almost speaks to today where you still have the quote unquote, you know, that black wake up call. Mm. You know, we still even have that. Unpack that a little bit more for us. When a black person is out of pocket with the community. Mm -hmm. and they thinking that they're all good with society mm -hmm. and in public society yanks the floor from underneath the said person who thought they had good footing mm -hmm. and we call that the Black. wake up call because when you thought you were the same as them today today years old you found out that you wasn't and Regardless of what you think they thought you were, to them you were black, y'all, and I'm black, 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 black. You know, the first person I think of, if we were giving examples, and that for some reason OJ comes to mind for me. But then again, he was very protected during that whole trial thing, and before that, it was just like you know, he's he's not he's not one of us kind of anymore. You know what I mean? Like that was a feeling that people had because it wasn't you know, really doing much in the community and all of that kind of stuff, all the things that he was doing outside of it. But it was, it's funny because during the time of the trial, when that happened, he was very protected by not all black folks, but, you know, a large portion. And then once it was over with, I think people just kind of like, okay, you know, I don't know how good we are necessarily with him, but I don't know if he was considered, you know, black as much afterwards. So. But the black community wasn't what saved him from his situation. It was good lawyers, money, and fame. Mm, gotcha. To mm -hmm. me. So what would be an example? Who would be an example? 
if you were of that whole definition that you just mentioned recently i've seen it used on ball players and stuff mm. or even like even with the situation with um and it's still early but okay I don't think it's necessarily fair because I don't really know the dude like that. But recently, I've kind of heard it used, and I guess it kind of goes, but you know, like with Jonathan Majors, with him, his situation he having with his his white girlfriend that came up, and I had a discussion with that with, with my boys, and that was a very interesting conversation because, in part, granted, that could happen with any woman that you could have an argument and get out of hand, and stuff could happen because of it. But I couldn't not, in good conscience not say that you know the fact that it was a white woman that he allegedly put his hands on was kind of like him wearing gasoline draws <laughs> the same thing with that coach that was uh married to Nia Long who was messing with I guess the owner of the team's wife or something like that I think it was somebody that works for the team so yeah along that line it was a higher person than him than the coach but yeah so sometimes it's like these you know and they said the same thing about tiger woods when he went through his stuff and he's an intention basically you know so we, we've seen situations where that kind of term has been applied but um when other folks get tired of you then you know who are you gonna go to like i i get what you're saying i understand it completely but um going back to jonathan majors i don't know i feel a certain kind of way about that i felt like he was cocky like that was always my impression of him, that he was always just a really kind of cocky person. Um, and I know like he's been around and he was just kind of evolving into this bigger kind of thing. I think that that to me outside of the community is what got him kind of in trouble. You know what I mean? Like the fact that he was, you know, if I look at it from a perspective of taking myself from the perspective of a woman, um, I have to think that way as well. Like, you know, what is he like with women, period? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, regardless of the color, you know, as he, you know, he, he gives off this cockiness or this air anyway when he's doing kind of interviews and stuff like that. I saw The Last Man in San Francisco. I enjoyed that. I've seen a few of his films, not a whole lot. But I look for a little bit of humility when it comes down to those interviews because if you want us to come see your films, then I'm looking for more than just like that cockiness. So when this came about, I think I looked at it from a perspective of like, I, I think I wasn't necessarily surprised that he did something, not necessarily that he did something to a woman, but you know what I mean? Like that air was just a lot. And I think what he did is he, you know, it's it's coined a different way but he messed around and found out <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah. that's what basically happened he thought that he was one thing and he basically you know messed around and found out he, he was he was just a regular old Black. you know to me it's the same as like getting the, the wake-up call mm -hmm. and, and the wake-up yeah. call would be almost anything that's kind of like outside of your race being involved with not kind of giving back so it's just Unsaid rules. It's apparent of the rules. Definitely when, when things are kind of brought to light, it's kind of like, oh, well, well, those kind of things. And, and sometimes it's unfair, you know? Like I said, in any case, nobody owes anybody anything, you know? Right. But you, would, you would hope that people would do things that would give back or would, you know, uplift us as a whole and things like that. But the truth is nobody's responsible for anybody. And, and so anything you get is a, is a gift. And so sometimes it's unfairly put on 
the have dos, but um, it's not it's not required that, that folks give it, give back and things like that. But like I said, that's that's the situations where I've heard it kind of kind of being used. Um, and I think if it was Michael B. Jordan, he would still be all right for some reason. I don't know. It's well, because they were getting on him about it to the point where he started going out with Steve Harvey's daughter because he was starting to look bad. Where people were talking about he'd keep going out with all these white women. They were he, on his. I, butt. I, I, I did hear that um, kind of in the past. I, I think I never really paid attention to who he was dating because, it, like, it really doesn't know, matter. But it does. It, right. it's, it's funny. It doesn't mess with his success, but it right. messes with his street cred. How about that? Right. Quote right. unquote, I street cred. Gotcha. Because really, nobody yeah. would be dealing with or people or shouldn't really. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter unless it just be like, "Hey, I'm gonna boycott your movies and stuff." And it's so funny how this is a whole other thing. But it's just so funny how, like, you would hear like women saying like, "Okay, so he's in trouble now because of this situation with this white woman, so we're not gonna support him since he don't support us." And it, it's a weird argument and statement to make. And what really just kind of trips me out about it is like the movies that he kind of starred in women don't really go to those movies anyway women are not necessarily going to go see creed right right and that's not their kind of movie or ant-man you know what i mean there's a demographic for that already so right black women not going to those movies i don't think it's like the way it's being stated it's just kind of like oh, it's almost like a it's interesting that it's being said now you could say you feel a ways about it and you mentally don't support him but it's like are you going to his movies anyway are you in that demographic to to mess with that kind of a his outcome in that way that kind of goes back to what i was saying like he was never on my radar anyway exactly. I, mean, I just like didn't I, exactly so i think that's why i was disappointed that when he did come on my radar like i said the i saw the one movie that i wanted to see because i i wanted i like the plot that you yeah. know it was based on but then when he did get some time to be in that that lights i just saw a bunch of cockiness that i just didn't really necessarily appreciate, even as compared to him sitting next to Michael B. Jordan, who is is not cocky. I mean, he he probably has some form of it in some way, but he's genuinely likable. You know what I mean? He he genuinely is likable, and that's why I said I don't know who he dated before. I knew he was dating Steve Harvey's you know daughter because you know she's younger than him. She kind of put her stuff on social media. I think before that, whoever he was dating was probably somebody that he was seen with. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he was even still discreet about that. I think he his dating came to light more when he was dating her because that's what her, she's an influencer, you know? And like I said, it was interesting that around the time they were complaining, because, you know, you see videos of him on the yacht and stuff with, you know, with the different white women. And it was like a big thing in, in the media. Which is not the same as the box office, but you know, there's right. a lot of stink about that. And shortly after, that's when, you know, Harvey's daughter kind of popped up in the situation. Yeah. And and the whole thing with the cockiness, you know, the, you, you got actors that are, are that. And I guess you kind of would have to kind of have some kind of, you know, there's levels to it, I guess. But mm. um, I kind of, unfortunately, I would believe more of the people that I like they work, I probably wouldn't like the person. I, maybe because I'm an artist oh, and I've met a lot of people or deal with a lot of people and I know how they are and just right. like even, even the ones that seem nice I'm like if you knew them in real life so I kind of go by the art of them or the work of them more so than the person because sometimes it doesn't match up and if it does match up that's a beautiful thing but a lot right. of times it is very 
very different. So I kind of go by the work because it's like, okay, because sometimes people are cool, but I don't like their work at all. Like, right. I don't think they're talented, but they're a nice person. But you kind of need the person to want to buy what they're selling. And so, right. you know, the bonus of them being a decent person or a perceived nice person kind of helps. And I've seen that before. That makes a lot of sense. I have seen like, oh my gosh, that performance was dynamic. Yeah. And then there's an interview and they're like, oh, of course it was. And I'm like, Oof, you know, but I'm still going to see the next thing that they're in. But I think yeah. what disappointed me about Jonathan is like, yeah, he's been around. But like you said, you know more of him because of like the genres that he's doing that's geared towards men. And now it's the time for you to, you know, start to be a little bit more mainstream, you know, or, or jump into different genres. And there's that air, you know what I mean? Um, and, and again, that's just me. I mean, yeah. it takes a lot to get to the point where actors get, you know, they don't become yeah. stars overnight. So like, maybe that was part of it for him too. Like, yeah. it took me a long time to get here, you know? He's, he's very eccentric. He's been around for a long time, been acting for a long time. And it's almost like, it's like when you say you saw him with, uh, with what's his name? With um, Michael B. Jordan. Michael yeah. B. Jordan. That's almost a bad contrast to have him like that. Mm. You know, it's almost like Jim Carrey. If he's with somebody else, he's very annoying. But when he's mm -hmm. by himself, he still is, but it's almost like, oh, he's just odd. Mm -hmm. And so you can't really tell how odd he is because he's alone. But next to somebody who's like the straight man, right? he seemed that much more kind of out there. Mm -hmm. Like Jonathan Majors, to me, whatever it takes to get you to have that performance, <laughs> then go for it. Because that's what I'm really paying for. Mm -hmm. and, and like, to me, Michael B. Jordan is not necessarily the, the greatest actor. And so to me, he would probably, and not saying that, but it's almost kind of like, like the girl who's not so cute would probably have a nicer personality to make up for the offset or the guy who don't have, you know, may, might not be the most good looking guy might have to have more money to offset what he don't have. And so the ones who have it, they act how they want to act because they don't have to, they don't have to have a buffer. Right, right, gotcha. And so to me, he's eccentric, and he always was. We did last night in uh, San Francisco, and he was had like he had his little apartment that he was sitting in talking to his guy. I'm like, this dude is weird. Not surprising in a way, because he's like one of those actor actors that went to acting school and did all these plays and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's interesting. And I was like, it's interesting that he became mainstream because usually folks like that are lost in the sauce. It's almost too much. Either, either they can't take it because it's not like the same kind of respect and the same kind of thing. Almost like the material doesn't match the ability. It's almost like somebody mm -hmm. singing a song that's too much for them. Like there's a lot of people could sing good like Whitney Houston. But if it's not packaged right, you're going to eject them because that soul doesn't match with the pop music. So when you have mm -hmm. Whitney Houston singing, I want to dance with somebody and, and knowing what she could do in real life, like... I want to dance with somebody for somebody who's a mediocre singer like like people go like Madonna. Pop music is for her, so she can have a vehicle, okay. so she could blow up and it's catchy. So when you have people swimming around like Whitney Houston playing around with those poppy songs and knowing what she could do in real life, that's not even stuff she she, she should even fool with. That's not even in her pool. It's a miracle she made it, but it took vision and great packaging to slide her through. Because everybody else would be trying to get rid of her because one, you can't have her against Madonna. You can't have her against Boy George. You can't have you can't have her against nobody really 
who is not up there. And that's why they was pushing real hard for Celine Dion and all. They tried to they had to find somebody because you couldn't just have her swimming around and she's a shark with all them fishes. It's not a fair game because it was like these are questioning, okay, well, if if Whitney can sing all this, then how come she can't? You start comparing. Uh-huh. So the thing is, just not to have them in there. Sometimes they sneak in if you're working in right, but if you notice. There's never a lot of real stuff with fake stuff because if they're in the same spot, you start comparing and you start comparing, you find out it's rigged. Something's wrong mm-hmm. because they cannot be in the same space logically because if that's the standard, then what's what's their problem? What's the other person's problem? Mm-hmm. At least that's how I see it. Yeah. So I think that's why a lot of times you just like, you know, they just be that great singer who never really had a chance. Yeah, because you can't have them in the same pool with the you know, the people who can't swim. You got somebody around lapping them, making your quote-unquote best people, best swimmers look like they're standing still because she could run laps around them vocally, musically, uh-huh. artistically, in tennis, in golf. You can't have her running laps. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's go. <laughs> Back to the movie, right? Thanks for listening, and please like and subscribe. Be sure to check out past and future episodes of this show, along with my other shows entitled The Movie Bench Quarterbacking Podcast and The J and Podcast, available now on all streaming platforms. Until next time, peace. Thank you.